Hi, good afternoon, good evening. This is Jen Bonet with the Creative Coast. Um, it's really great to see everyone and, and we are here for Entrepreneur's Night. Uh, this is October 2020, such a strange time it's been. Um, and today we're meeting with Jason and Lindy from East Taylor Creative. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Entrepreneur's Night is, is our way to kind of interact with successful entrepreneurs that are in that creative technology space that the Creative Coast focuses on. And we want to hear their story of, of how they got started, where they're at today, how things are going. And, and we're documenting their story because as Savannah grows into an amazing creative technology town in the future, we want to go back to who was here first, who did it, who got us here, who, who what companies had success and led us on this path to uh, where we're where we're headed to. Um, I'm really optimistic about where where we're headed right now, and um, I'm really thrilled to to be with Wendy and Jason, who were uh, early tenants of the Creative Coast Co-working <laughs> Space, Full Street Labs, and and dealt with a lot of our issues back in the old space prior to our move to our glamorous new place. Um, but I'll. Jason, Lindy, I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. Let's start with a little bit of both of your backgrounds. So, okay. um, like, you know, what'd you major in? What were your first jobs? Or how'd you, how'd, and then kind of, then we'll get into East Taylor and how you launched that. Okay, perfect. Well, I'll start. I'm Lindy Weimer. Uh, I originally grew up mostly in Buffalo, New York, and I start there because really I have always been creative. I've always been into making things, solving problems. Um, early on in my elementary school days, art, you know, art class was my favorite class, um, and that is really what led me to look into studying it. Um, I actually thought I wanted to be an art teacher uh, and went to college first in Boston for art education. Uh, and I quickly realized that necessarily wasn't the way I wanted to spend my work days and make a career of that. And I made this shift into product design. Uh, and that is what brought me down to Savannah. So uh, SCAD ended up being the uh, only school in the country that I could study industrial design and play soccer. Um, so after being in Boston, that made me look down here in Savannah and I convinced my parents Thanksgiving to get in the car, drive down here um, and check the school out and meet with the soccer coach. And about a week later, I was transferring out of the current school I was in. I was making plans to pack up and move home. Uh, I drove my parents a little crazy during that time, um, but I really appreciate that they supported me because making that move to Savannah and SCAD really um, changed everything for me. Um, being in the industrial design department, learning their human-centered design process, um, that's kind of where my love for art and making things with kind of the logical side of my brain, they all kind of combined perfectly. I fell in love with the design process. Um, I picked up the interaction design minor. It was just starting at SCAD um, when I was there. And um, that was another decision. It added another quarter of school on for me. So another decision I had to make with my parents, but another one um, that really led me to the work that I'm 
I'm doing today in the digital world, especially. Um, so I had a wonderful experience at SCAD, put a lot of hours in um, creating some crazy products and making them in the wood shop and presenting in class um, while playing soccer and, you know, really loving that part of my college life as well. Um, so that's really where I kind of transitioned into the design world and uh, started my career after SCAD in Minneapolis at Target headquarters. Um, so I ended up kind of pursuing the product side, physical product side of design. Um, and I joined the trend team there where I got to do trend forecasting um, for the home design team. So I was shopping stores and um, it's kind of crazy that that is an actual job, but I was in, you know, Crate and Barrel and West Elm, keeping tabs on what they were doing, determining um, what the trends and um, what the color palettes and patterns were for the home design teams. Um, so it was really cool to kind of be in a position where I worked with, you know, designers who were designing luggage, some were doing bedding, some were doing bathroom products, um, to see how that kind of all combined and really to see how Target um, pays attention to their users, especially in their shopping experience. So that played well into kind of my design process, human-centered design uh, focused mind. Um, however, Minneapolis winners, not a fan of them. Um, even though I grew up in Buffalo, Minneapolis is a lot colder. Um, it's a lovely place in the spring and summer, um, but I knew it was time for me to move on. And that's really when I transitioned into the digital world and I moved to New York City um, and worked for Razorfish. Um, they've changed names since, um, but it was going from Target being a very large corporate, um, you know, 10,000 plus people company to um, more of an agency vibe, about 500 people in the New York office. Um, and that's where I got to start working on websites and digital products. So learning what the design process means there. Um, that's also when Agile and Scrum methodology came out. So um, I was put in a war room on a project and got to live out that. Um, and so really all of those things um, kind of led me back down to Savannah. Um, I left New York during the recession around 2008, 2009-ish um, and ended up uh, coming down to Savannah, moving back and working for some smaller agencies here, um, doing user experience, UX-centered work. Um, and then that's really when I started to transition to um, start East Taylor. So that's kind of my roundabout moving all around um, uh, story and background. So I'll pass it over to Jason. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so my name is Jason Weimer and I am um, Lindy's husband and also mm -hmm. business partner. And um, my story is a lot more streamlined and um, <laughs> Uh, narrow whenever it comes to the design world. A lot a lot of, of the reason that is, is because um, whenever I was growing up, I had a love for science and um, I went down that path and actually ended up with a degree in biology. Um, <clears throat> while working to earn that, I um, uh, worked my way through college, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in sales and management for um, Verizon Wireless for many years and, um, excuse me, 
um, whenever we, uh, the way I ended up uh, transitioning into the design world, as we'll probably talk about um, a little bit more is um, because of a lot of Lindy's story and basically all of Lindy's story, because um, she's the one that really introduced me to a lot of uh, the possibilities in the design and technology world that um, I hadn't really been exposed to in my childhood. So um, yeah, I think that's just <laughs> kind of a, a roundabout way. I have a biology degree that um, serves me in a lot of different ways that I never expected it would. Um, and I, I'm kind of put myself through the the design and technology school of hard knocks. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say um, really for the last six, almost seven years now, um, Jason, I mean, really, he's been in the design and technology world now. It's hard to believe it's gone that fast. Um, but it was really interesting how he was drawn to a um, user experience human-centered design process because of his background in science and how he could relate it to, you know, a scientific process. Um, so really, I guess this kind of transitions into the start of East Taylor. So for me, um, first kind of balling up all the different experiences that I had, um, really it led me to a point where I wanted to use the tools that I had, the design process that I had really kind of honed in and started to make my own. I wanted to use it more purposefully uh, and to really be able to offer that type of work to businesses, companies, and people who normally can't afford someone like Razorfish or even some of the local um, larger, more established agencies in uh, this region or this state. Um, so really what I wanted to do was see what I could do on my own, um, partially contracting as a UX designer, um, but also building uh, kind of our own clientele and project and process um, as well. So as I kind of went off on my own and did that, um, that was the winter of 2014, um, I started to get busier and busier. Um, Jason's path where he was, was not really offering him the right next step um, without us having to move and leave Savannah. That was something that we necessarily did not want to do. Um, so as I got busier and busier, he started to help me out here and there, first taking care of, you know, more business related um, things, you know, crunching numbers, doing those things that most designers don't care for doing. Um, and so as I got busier, he just kept kind of learning as he would listen to me on meetings or ask how he could help with some of my deliverables. Um, and he also throughout all of that um, really utilized uh, online platforms. Um, so to learn design programs, he was on um, Skillshare. Yeah, Skillshare a lot. A lot, a lot of hours in there for a while. Yeah. Um, so like you said, he's very much self-taught and, you know, kind of um, learned as he went, but he brings a great perspective, uh, especially from a sales and marketing um, side, which helped me a lot because I was not... I'm like, I'll do all the work behind the scenes. I know it's great work. I know I have a lot to offer people, but like selling and marketing, eh, like, no thanks. So he also stepped in with that. That helped a lot to um, really help us 
transition East Taylor from being mostly a contract um, UX-based company to we have our own design process. We build websites and apps and um, create brands and um, logos and identities and products for all sorts of companies now. And really, it's all been built on our design process. So um, with East Taylor, we always say it's all about purpose and people and um that's really what led me to start it. And what got Jason on board is, you know, we really felt we could empower and impact um, people, whether they were, uh, you know, running a nonprofit or they had a product or app idea. Um, you know, we felt like we could really step in and take what we had learned from our experiences, create something new, make it a little more accessible. Um, and that's kind of how East Taylor started i guess awesome i i love it i uh, purpose and people i made a note of that i wrote that down i also love your circuitous route through product physical product design that yeah. i find the trend analysis really interesting it's actually what my sister does in food so it's amazing to me what how they're predicting yeah. what we're going to want to eat next year mm-hmm. it's <laughs> right or what color is going to be hot next year right exactly. then there's a science to it right yeah and, and then tail. <laughs> yeah and then you know jason's background you know i Spent some time at New Run, which was an agency in Atlanta that was acquired by Razorfish. Yep. So we all tie in there. Yep. And when I first got there, they were like, oh, you have to learn design thinking. Read this book. Yep. I read the book and I went back, well, this is the same thing as Lean Startup. It's the same thing as scientific methodology. It's just yep. different lingo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, really? <laughs> so totally seeing eye to eye there. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I'm always curious when there's two founders or or a fa- there's one founder, founder. and a co- <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess yeah, Lindy's, somebody, the, Lindy's the founder for sure. Right. Or somebody joins the company shortly thereafter and plays a lead role. Like how do you decide how did you decide what each other's roles were and and um you know make sure that you're communicating effectively and not duplicating effort and all those other things? Because it's it's often a challenging time for an entrepreneur when they bring on that co-founder or co-founders to figure out, okay, how do we lay out the roles such that, you know, we're all marching to the same tune and, but running as hard as possible. Yeah. Do you want to, or me? I will say we are constantly learning on how to do this well. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in the beginning, it happened more naturally because it was just very clear the tasks that made sense for me to do versus Jason. Mm -hmm. And um, as we've grown, it's gotten more complicated Mm -hmm. where there's times it's like, okay, you are, you know, the owner and taking responsibility for these projects or, you know, maybe it's new business inquiries, um, something like that. And then, you know, there always seems to be overlap and it's like, well, it makes sense for you to answer this email. So maybe you should just do that. Um, so I think it's, it's easy when there's only two people for things to really Mm -hmm. overlap and, um, clear boundaries not to be set. Um, So I will say that's something that we continually are working on and trying to figure out how to use 
different tools and systems like we use Asana for project management, you know, how can that kind of take that away? And, you know, we assign a task so it's clear who's taking care of it and when. Um, there's been times where we've regularly um, used like a contract PM. Um, that's been helpful to help divvy things out for us or to help kind of Make sure, you know, if someone's missing something, there's a third person with eyes on it. Um, and I feel like that's kind of worked for us because we do grow as a team with contractors depending on um, depending on the project. And so typically one of us is the project kind of owner and leader and is taking care of that team um, and that client and then kind of those overarching tasks. Um, like I mentioned, will you know, one person will kind of take ownership and responsibility and we try not to cross the lines too much. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that. Uh, yeah, I think one thing that I try to do, especially early on that I would try to do is take, um, take ownership of things that I knew she didn't like to do. Mm -hmm. um, even if, especially in the beginning, even if I didn't like to do them, just because, um, you know, there's obviously like an energy aspect to your work. And if you're not doing things that you enjoy, it's really can be really draining. And um, so, you know, I think that was part of my thinking early on. But I think, you know, also to like Lindy mentioned, you know, as our, as we've, you know, grown our team, and we've started to work even more regularly with contractors, we don't have any um, true full like uh, um, W2 employees, but we pay um, a significant amount, or we work with a significant amount of contractors. I think, um, you know, finding people that like what I try to do is find people that like to do the things that we we just generally don't like to do. So, um, I think it's and our experts. And yeah, that. and our, well, of course, yeah, not, that's not the only yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, just you know, try. I think more so just looking for people uh, that feel like they're the right fit. That um, you know have the similar values that we do, um, and then also are like. Um, uh, excited by the work that we're asking them to do, at, even if it's at a contract level. Mm -hmm. And that's really allowed us to have, like I said, experts step in, in those positions when we need them on certain projects. Mm -hmm. um, and so far that, that piece has worked um, really well for us and really opened up a lot of opportunities for us to work with um, you know, local designers and developers, Creative Coast members, mm -hmm. um, even, you know, past colleagues of mine or Jason's, um, you know, and we're now starting to look into um, connecting with SCAD and some of the schools um, eventually to bring in some interns. Um, so I feel like that's kind of also worked well for us as we kind of expand and contract depending on our needs um, with our contract team. Awesome. So like, just thinking about this, like how many projects do you guys have going on at kind of any given point in time? And then like, so then how many people are you trying to kind of coordinate across those projects? Um, well, people, I would say the two of us are, um, you know, definitely the most immersed. We have um, two others that we work with regularly, um, one uh, here in Savannah, one person in Atlanta, um, kind of the three to four of us, that's our core team. And the one, um, depending on availability, usually we're all on, um, especially the major projects that make sense. Um, otherwise, I would say our team probably expands by 
So if that's four of us, probably another four to six, depending um, on the project and the amount of um, mm -hmm. people we need on it. Uh, as far as clients go, off the top of my head, I actually don't know what the number is. Do you know? I was, right well, now? I was actually thinking about this a little bit earlier because <laughs> I figured at some point you're going to ask me how many clients in Savannah <laughs> or locally that we're working with. So I, I have put a little bit thought in this. I think, you know, generally we try not to overwhelm ourselves too much. So um, total number of clients, I would say probably anywhere from six to eight active at a time um, in varying capacities. Yeah, so some are... And then I'll, oh, I'm going to wait for the follow-up because I know it's going to come. <laughs> oh, I was going to say some of those clients are, you know, we're going through large redesigns mm -hmm. with their brand, their website. So they're, you know, three to four month projects. Mm -hmm. um, some are smaller where it's, um, you know one case we're helping with um, a new idea to develop a logo, a brand identity, and a pitch deck for a nonprofit. Um, so that's more like a four-ish, six-ish week project. Mm -hmm. um, and then we do also have clients that we work with on a monthly retainer basis. Um, so when he's talking about, you know, six to eight-ish or whatever clients, it is at varying um, capacities. And some are local, some are Atlanta, um, throughout Georgia, and then also some are in New York City and farther out, thanks to technology allowing us to do that. Yeah. Awesome. So let's go back to talent, because we kind of skipped ahead <laughs> there. Um, I'd like to, like, I'm a tool geek. So like, especially now that we're all remote, you said you use Asana. What other tools do you use to help manage people and processes related to people? Mainly, uh, mainly Asana, Slack, and a time recording tool called EverHour. That's probably not as common. Um, yeah, those we use those regularly. And then I would say also... Um, Google Drive, yeah. um, we use that all the time. We actually just started using um, Google Forms to have uh, feedback forms for clients to submit their feedback on different steps of the process, um, which you know sends us an email once they do it. So we try to kind of connect those things. Um, the other thing I would mention with larger projects, development um, projects, apps and websites, uh, we also use BugHerd. Um, mm -hmm for task tracking and it's um, really great to get client feedback during QA because they can click on the screen, it takes a screenshot, they enter their comment and then you can kind of cleanly organize it all on the back end and assign it to someone to take care of. So um, we found tools like that that help automate um, communication between us and our clients and then the kind of delegation and assignment to our team members is really helpful. So um, things don't kind of get stuck in limbo. And then it's a few days before someone tells this other person that this thing needs to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, yeah, those are probably yeah. the main tools. Uh, since she yeah. mentioned, oh, I was just going to say, since Lindy mentioned some things that we use, utilize with clients as well. Um, another, uh, or another software we use is Envision app. Oh. um to help like present um creative and and things like that mm -hmm. um you know we also use sketch but you know it connects with um envision so we like mm -hmm. prototype and that kind of stuff and, and utilize that and so whenever we um 
send deliverables to client in a closer to finalized state, they're able to actually like click around, see mm-hmm. um, how their their uh, product is going to end up looking um, to get it as close to the real life as we possibly can. Very cool. And do you have a preferred tech stack for your websites and or apps? It depends on the project. Um, um, primarily, uh, I would say we use uh, like for something that can be templated, we really like Squarespace. Um, if it's a custom build, we'll either do, we rarely do like just um, an out of the box template in WordPress. Generally, it's a custom WordPress build. Right. Um, but we do have the, the you know capacity to um, do completely uh, custom jobs as well, if that's what the, um, the, the, uh, the project requires. And then, you know, the app stacks are, you know, we write in Kotlin or um, in Swift and that. So, I mean, those are pretty straightforward. And yeah, I would say for web, uh, it's, um, as far as templated things, Squarespace or Shopify, we have some Shopify really too. heavy yeah. e-commerce mm-hmm. clients that um, are on Shopify. And then um, we build in WordPress a lot, custom WordPress sites, uh, and then, you know, custom custom if that is what the project calls for that's definitely something um you know we open ourselves up to being able to um produce solutions in a lot of different platforms because we feel our design process can really allow us to do that and help people do that and that's also why we built our team the way we do because there's times you know we have an ios developer an android developer on a project maybe we're also building a website for that client so then we have you know maybe a wordpress developer on it um other times you know maybe it's Jason working on Shopify in the back end, um, you know, we have a lot of flexibility there to kind of adapt ourselves to the idea and the solution yeah. of the client. Yeah, I would, I would say um, as a general rule, I don't think that, I think we have like preferred ones that we would, pref- uh, like we would pick to work in. But I think uh, what for us, what ultimately drives the decision is the needs of the project and um, ultimately the budget of the project, you know, That's like, how much can be invested um, to build out something custom versus doing something on a templated platform like Squarespace. Awesome. All right, now let's go back to customers because we hit on that too a little bit. So you said, yeah, at any given time, you have like six to eight customers. You know, uh, I think that finding customers and getting customer traction is one of the hardest things when you're starting a company. So could you talk a little bit about maybe how you got your first customer um, and then like, what is, how, how do, how do customers find you or how do you find customers today? Uh, really for us, like I mentioned in our story, we started a lot with contract work, UX contract work, and that kind of led to people asking, well, can you do this too? Um, you know, what about this? And really in the beginning and even now, um, recommendations, word of mouth referrals, that is 100% what drives customers to us and the projects that we have. Um, that's probably not always the answer people want to hear because, um, you know, there's no just do this, this, and this, and they'll come. Um, in some cases, it's years of relationship building that, you know, maybe someone mentions to them, hey, I have this idea, I want to build an app, and they're like, you should talk to Jason and Lindy. Um, you know, Jen, you've done that with the Creative Coast. We have um, other communities who, you know, someone just is kind of like, I have this thing. I think I want to make it. And um, the person doesn't always know if it's a good fit for us, but usually they're like, hey, 
can you do this? And we'll either say, yep, let's talk about it some more or no, we can't maybe point them in someone else's direction. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, I think it's it's really nurturing and building good relationships um, where you are locally in the industries that you practice in. Um, you know, I still have connections to college classmates um, that connect me to opportunities um, or what I love about it, too, is when someone comes to me and is like, hey, I'm looking for this job or I'm looking to transition or move, um, you know, we can put the word out as well when that makes sense. Um, I think besides that, um, something that we are trying to do more and more of is share what we do. We do it for our clients all the time. We storytell for our clients all the time. It's always hardest to do it for yourself. Um, and that's something that we didn't put the time to or make priority in the beginning. And now, um, you know, sharing on Instagram is a really good fit for us. I wouldn't necessarily say that brings in customers for us. Um, but I do think it's a great way to show people what we do, what we believe in, um, and to kind of give them peeks into our process and the work that we've done. Um, cause I think that's the other thing, um, now as we look at proactively going after more business, having work that we are proud of that's solid that we can share. Um, I think, goes a long way to say, you know what, we want to do more work in this industry. So we know, you know, there's company A, B, and C. Um, maybe we don't know anyone there, aren't connected to them, but we have this really great project that, you know, we think we could take their company to the next level. So let's show it to them, see what they think. And, um, you know, maybe that sparks an idea for them. Um, Cause I think that's the other way I would say we've gotten businesses, you know, work that we've done for clients, other companies have seen that and even asked them, Hey, who did your website? Um, you know, and that's led us to um, grow our clients as well. I don't know if you have anything else to yeah. add. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I would say, um, the like we did start off doing a lot of contract work um, for other companies, but the first big project that we landed um, for like East Taylor, where we had control over everything from end to end, was actually on a lukewarm email. Mm -hmm. um, I, so I won't call it cold because it was a really and, and actually this kind of goes back to um, what Lindy touched a lot on is that um, we really believe in nurturing relationships and you know, one of the mantras that we live by is do good work and don't be an a-hole. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think, um, you know, I actually had a relationship with um, uh, an executive assistant for uh, a company when I was at Verizon and um, I randomly emailed her and I was like, hey, um, y'all, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, we haven't talked in a long time. I'm not doing uh, this with Verizon anymore, but this is what I'm doing now. And looks like y'all need a new website. Um, and you know, six months later, you know, it wasn't like, all right, bam, we're good. But six months later we landed that project and we still work with them today. And that's yeah. been a relationship that we've had for over five years. So, yeah. um, you know, I think that a lot of what Lindy was saying is, is absolutely right on because we wouldn't have gotten that had we not gotten the contract work to start. But I think like the really first big project that we got that we were like, man, we can do all of this stuff. And uh, again, another thing that Lindy mentioned is like, you know, having us having the ability to be proud to, uh, to show the work that we've created and 
for us to be like, you know, we've not only built this website, but we designed everything from end to end. We've done a video shoot and a photo shoot with this client. Like, um, you know, we can show what our process can create if we're able to have our hands on all the pieces that we feel confident in doing. And then um, the ones that we, you know, Lindy or I or our core team don't necessarily specialize in we have and you know really an ex, it's like an, an the next layer of our bubble um gets into you know other um, um other uh, facets of design or yeah other areas of expertise that we can tap into when needed so um we've kind of just built this really um uh, a team of and, and a large in part is because of we've taken advantage of being in savannah and living here so you know a lot of what I'm kind of going to start to ramble a little bit, but I think this is valuable <laughs> to say, is that, um, and it actually, it does relate to talent. So a lot of what um, we understand about Savannah is so much talent comes here and then leaves. Um, and we've developed really good relationships with people who are incredible artists, really great developers, really smart in technology. Like when you just have different areas of expertise and we've nurtured those relationships. And whenever um, something comes along, if, like she said, if it's something that's really not close or not really in our wheelhouse, we know a really great person to pass them off to and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, you know, the things that we are able to, um, the projects we're able to take on that have the capacity to support a budget that can, um, uh, that can allow us to have our hands on everything, you know, we're really, really proud of the work that we're able to create in those types of situations. So I want, I want to say congrats and, and awesome because, you know, Word of mouth is the most powerful uh, tool out there for, for customer sales. And the fact that you have built a process, a company, a team, the quality of work, and obviously the communication around the work back to the client was, is what drives that. And that's all the two of you, right? And, and so congratulations on that. Thank you. Right? I mean, that's the... Oh, I will say when Jason was talking, I was thinking about it. And I do feel like the people we still work with, most of the people in our network, um, the large majority of them have come through Savannah in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the strongest pieces of our network are people who we either met here, you know, Jason went to Armstrong, me at SCAD, um, working here, people, you know, even people I've worked with here have come back and brought us work and we've been able to work with them. So really, you know, kind of reflecting on that, it is pretty incredible um, to think about how strong that network and community can be here in this region. And like Jason said, there's just so much talent. Um, and that's one reason why, you know, years ago when we were kind of at a fork in the road, either we move so Jason can, um, go up the ladder of this company. Um, you know, we said, no, we want to stay here. Like this is where we want to break, you know, build roots and we don't want our jobs to dictate where we have to go. Um, and so it was kind of like putting a line in the sand that we wanted to figure out how to stay here and still how to thrive with the work that we're doing. Um, and I think one of the most wonderful kind of surprises has been the talent and people that we've been able to work with again or for a first time. Um, and like I said, most of them have either gone through school here, have worked here and are somehow kind of connected to our Savannah network. So that's also just a wonderful awesome. thing about this area. Hashtag to Savannah. Exactly. <laughs> right, come back and edit this. Or if we do another round of shooting, you'll, you'll get a phone call. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> to get that video. 
I'm going to change it up a little bit. Um, I like to always ask every entrepreneur I talk to to give a definition of what success means to them because I believe success is very much an internal thing. Like what makes one person feel successful is exactly the opposite of what makes somebody else feel successful. And so for both of you and for the business, what is success? I think this is something that really has driven a lot of our decisions. Um, probably going back a year or two before um, East Taylor started. And like I said, one of those kind of pillars of success for us was our jobs not dictating where we lived. Um, and so a success for us is, us is the fact that we still happily live in Savannah. And, you know, that is our freedom and our decision. Um, so that absolutely kind of location, um, you know, that's a measure of success for us. Um, and I also think for me personally, it's um, work wise, it's being able to empower those purposeful ideas and people who are as cheesy as it sounds, trying to make the world a better place. Um, and I think that's, you know, a lot of the reason that we started East Taylor. Um, and that's a lot of how we measure success for East Taylor is, um, you know, the individuals and the businesses that we can empower and lift with the work that we do. Um, you know, watching someone take an idea and three years later have a thriving business moving into a storefront in Savannah, like absolutely blows my mind. Um, and that a hundred percent, like success, um, more so than the number of clients we have, our followers, the money that we're bringing in. Um, I think the impact that we can make, um, to make the world a better place in Savannah, a better place, that's a huge measure, um, of success. And I'll let you fill in anything else. Yeah, no, I totally agree with all of that. I think, um, you know, for me, uh, Yeah, like all, all, everything that Lindy said about the, the client side, um, you know, helping people realize their dreams and like um, getting client feedback from people where they're like, oh my gosh, like I feel like my vision is coming to life. Stuff like that is a measure of success for me. I think just because we become so invested in our client success too, um, because we we do try to be selective about the people that we work with. I think for me, it's um, a couple of things like being able to. Um, you know, being able to choose the work that we get to, to, to bring in, it wasn't always that way. So I think that's a big thing that um, we've grown to be able to do is, you know, not only not necessarily understand um, if a client's right for us or not, but have the the power and the, the confidence to say no to that um, is a really big measure of success for me. And I think um, also too, um, something that we started doing this year is um, giving back to nonprofits. So um, our team is committed to doing at least a couple of projects a year pro bono for nonprofit organizations that have, um, you know, an idea or if they need something like they, they just need help on something. So, you know, I think, um, you know, doing stuff like that and just, you know, like Lindy said, continuing to find ways to enrich the communities that we're a part of and we live in. Um, it just like, I think that's, uh, and, and knowing that we're doing that on our own terms and our, like in a way that feels good for us too, I think is really powerful. Awesome. Um, love that. I do have to ask, we are in the middle of a pandemic. We are in this really weird, weird, weird world. Yeah. How has COVID-19 and this crazy world impacted your business? 
Um, it's been a wild ride. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, it was probably the beginning of March that we first started to feel the impact starting. Um, so it was pretty early. Yeah. And, um, some clients were impacted more than others. Um, for example, we were less than a week away from, um, putting on a music festival in Chattanooga with a client that we had to cancel. <laughs> so t-shirts, posters, everything, cups, printed, like we were ready to get in the car and go to Chattanooga. Um, And that came to a screeching halt. Um, So, you know, seeing clients not be able to put something on like that or bring their idea to fruition because of COVID, that that was hard and just obviously completely out of all of our control. Um, there was another um, project that we had on the books with a nonprofit that um, they relied mostly on in-person events and they had to drastically pivot and, you know, cut their budget. And so that was one where we weren't able to move forward with them right now. It was a, when we can, we will do this. Um, we just can't do it right now anymore. Um, so there were a couple of things like that, um, that, um, you know, we were really looking forward to, and it was a little hard when the reality set in, like, it's just not going to happen. Um, other than that, I think a lot was, jumping on board and supporting our clients however we could. Um, So that was helping one client, you know, raising money for um, restaurant workers and, um, you know, that community in here and in Charleston. Um, Another client in New York City, we helped him create a contactless ordering system um, that he's still using at his shop today that um, there's an intercom. They have a little window, they push the product through. Um, and so it was things like that. And he, um, that particular company started kind of a nonprofit wing of their company to give back and to support um, frontline workers. Um, so it was kind of amazing to see how our clients um, adapted and changed to sit, step up and support their community, but also keep their business going. Um, so it was a lot of random tasks, a lot of um, a lot of hours for a few months, um, just getting everybody settled and in a good place. Um, so I feel like that's probably in a nutshell. So it definitely, yeah. definitely hit us and hit our clients um, for sure. Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, if, if anybody says they weren't impacted by, <laughs> um, you know, COVID this year, I think that they're probably lying. But um, yeah, so I mean, we definitely felt the effects of, um, you know, we had, like Lindy said, I think really just a couple of projects that we were hoping to be able to do that mm-hmm. didn't go. But I think one thing that um, has really benefited us um, and and been um, something that's been super helpful to help weather some of those impacts and not necessarily fill them so significantly is um, the fact that we, I think, I think anyway, the fact that we haven't um, put our business down as, or like we don't work with a particular niche or a particular market. Um, you know, we really pride ourselves on being creative and being able to tell the story of anybody who has an idea. So, you know, we work in a lot of different industries. So I think the fact that we weren't, you know, we're not like, for example, uh, there may be a company in Savannah, like because the the hospitality industry is so you know significant here, there may be companies here that solely work with the hospitality industry. So they would have been, I would believe, more significantly impacted 
um, just based on that. So I do think, I don't know if that's the case, but in general, I think that that's been something that's actually helped us is not, um, you know, niching our business. And you just hear, I feel like you hear so much um, about doing it and that that's just a really successful way to do it. And I think um, in most cases or in a lot of cases it can be, but um, you know, in some cases it can also hurt you. So, you know, we never necessarily know what the market or the, the, the world's going to do. <laughs> So that that's it. Sorry, my, my dog's been barking a little bit. That's um, okay. <laughs> so yeah, and I kind of have an interesting view of the world, and and I, especially Savannah, because I work with so many different companies, and I don't think we know what the end result is yet of how many businesses we're going to lose mm-hmm. because because of the unemployment growth, right. yep. the extra money to unemployment, the PPP. And the idle loans that people did get, you know, I don't know that we're going to know until next spring what businesses yeah. really can't pull themselves out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think it's an interesting time. But I also look specifically for businesses like yours or and 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 Marks and and the tech, creative technology businesses. I, I just think that there's, you know. Digital transformation has happened overnight and been forced on us and enforced mm-hmm. on industries that were slow to transform. Mm-hmm. So as we come out of this, the, the there's even a wider uh, a set of industries and companies that before would have been a hell no, we're not doing that, are now like, oh my God, now we have to do that. We have to figure yeah. that out, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just think there's such a plethora of opportunity yeah. for creative, smart, people that can communicate well, like mm-hmm. yourselves, uh, as we come through this and out to the other side, hopefully in the not too distant future. Agreed. Um, Mark had a question, so I'm gonna go ahead and, uh, Mark, you wanna unmute yourself and ask? <laughs> yes, Jason, you shared your uh, uh, successful uh, project with uh, Verizon, and obviously they are a continued, uh, you're continuing to support them. Uh, the question is for Lindy. Uh, you've worked at large enterprise businesses, including Target, and uh, through your uh, work at Razorfish. Uh, while these projects, project sizes are larger and, um, you know, gathering the resources to support an enterprise uh, client um, can, uh, uh, is, is substantial. Uh, are you leveraging any of your enterprise experience to go after these clients? Um, In some ways, yes. Um, Especially in the beginning, a few years ago, um, we did have the opportunity to work on a healthcare related um, enterprise system. And it absolutely was something that uh, I would not have felt confident in or had the capabilities to take on, um, especially kind of a lead UX role that I did. Um, and we were fully integrated with the team. Jason was a part of it um, without that experience. Um, I do think it's been also interesting because I've had such a broad range um, that I've been able to kind of see what works and what doesn't and kind of pick different things from those different scenarios, um, you know, to enhance, you know, maybe it's a, a client who's just a solo entrepreneur um, and maybe like the social sector, but yet, you know, something we're doing in our process is something I learned working with a client like 
like Ford. Um, so, you know, it's kind of taking learnings from some of those bigger systems and bigger projects and figuring out how can we use that um, for our clients. And, um, and there's definitely a lot of learnings there. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a couple of observations. Uh, first is, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, two of the co-founders of Airbnb are industrial design graduates of the Rhode Island uh, School of Design. I did know that, actually. So, uh, from their website, uh, their influence uh, in mm-hmm. industrial design that they brought to that. Also, when I was in Cincinnati uh, years ago, I met uh, one of the founding partners of IDEO, which oh, yeah. is um, Silicon Valley uh, juggernaut in terms of uh, design. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely, um, especially during my college years and early career, um, you know, IDEO was the place to go when talking about design thinking, user-centered processes. Um, and now I think it's really interesting. They've gone a lot into kind of education and social design. Um, so that's definitely someone that, you know, I'm always inspired by and still keeping an eye on for sure. Yes. Uh, regarding COVID, just a um, observation, and that is I saw an infomercial the other day for the uh, Z Shields, which is a device that is uh, the, uh, the 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 visor is brought up um, in front of your face, and then you can also drop it down so that you have uh, have yeah. free access. And I was thinking, uh, five months ago, we would have never had any sort of demand for this yeah. product, and yep. there is, it's true. and it's amazing how fast they get I mean, to market these days. <laughs> that, it sounds to me like that's something that Tom Petty uh, could have utilized way back in the day. It's like his little harmonica thing, yes. like he throws his head back, gets a harmonica. It, yeah. That's just, that's just somebody repurposing an idea. That's all that exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, unless if there's no other questions, I'm going to wrap it up with my last question yeah. that I always like to end with. And that is, we have a lot of people that are aspiring entrepreneurs and new entrepreneurs that are just getting started. And if you had to give one piece of advice to them on their journey, what would that be? Hmm. I would say it comes back to your purpose. Um, You know, know why you're doing what you're doing, whether it's, you know, working on your own, starting a business, creating an idea or a product. Um, To me, I feel like the ones that are purpose driven, that um, are solutions to help other people to solve true problems. Um, I feel like when that person has a strong why behind what they're doing, they can get through the roller coasters of the process. Um, You know, they can put in the hours, they have the grit um, and they're in it for the long haul. So I feel like I would, I would say always know your purpose and kind of use that as your guiding light to align you throughout the journey. Yeah, I was actually going to say something very similar. Um, and <laughs> I was like, well, it's actually mine was more focused on like, you know, it, it is important. And I was just going to build off what you were saying that it's important to know why you're doing what you're doing, because without question, um, there's going to come a time when you're going to be challenged um, more than you ever thought you would ever be. And if you lose sight of the reason why you're doing it, um, it's less likely you're going to actually see it through. So I think, you know, um, you know, making sure that you know why you're doing is also going to um, 
you know, help make sure that, you know, you're, uh, you're going to be able to see those times through because it's, yeah. you know, more of your passion. And, uh, and uh, I also feel like we've noticed even with clients, how the end product just kind of falls into place and, you know, magically meets the needs and um, kind of fits the vision that the clients have when all of those things are kind of mm -hmm. aligned. Um, it always seems to be a good combination to create some magic at yeah. the end.